Um, nervousness, shaking, headache, dizziness, fainting, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea or constipation, stomach cramps, dry mouth, uh, you cannot exercise as much as you usually would, difficulty going to the toilet, skin rashes, uh, changes in sex drive, swelling of the lower limbs, swelling of the face, sudden or rapid weight loss. Serious side effects, heart attack, stroke, chest pain, difficulty breathing. Welcome back to the In-Situ Health and Fitness Podcast. We have helped hundreds of people reach their goals. And this podcast is a chat about the journey along the way, teachable moments and topics we think will help you reach your goals as well. If we haven't met before, my name is Jack, I'm the PT and joining me is my partner Mac. She is the nutrition coach and soon to be psychologist. Before we get into today's show, I just want to take a second and thank you all for your support on this show. This podcast has been growing massively over the last couple of months and we wouldn't be able to do that unless it was for you guys listening and supporting the show. So if you haven't already, we would appreciate it if you left us a five-star review and a positive comment wherever you're listening to this podcast because it does help us reach more people so we can help them as well. Thank you and let's get into the show. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode. Before we get into today's topics, uh, two things. One, a an apology, I guess you could say, and second is a clarity on something I said last episode. So first up, I just want to apologize because I know I tell everybody to head over to the social media, our social media, to answer all the, uh, put your questions in the question boxes and all that sort of stuff. I just have not been on social media for the last two weeks, or barely. I just had a good opportunity come up that I'm doing a collaborative project with, with a sports person. Athlete. Athlete. <laughs> sports person. <laughs> with an athlete, and it's a pretty good, I, I'm very excited about it. It's a great opportunity for me, so I've just been putting a bit more time and effort into that. I haven't really been posting or putting up my question boxes like I normally do to get your questions, so... Yeah, apologies for that, but make sure if you haven't subscribed or liked our podcast, wherever you're listening to it, make sure you get subscribed because I've got a great episode coming out with this athlete in probably two weeks. So that's very exciting. Um, It was an amazing interview. I was very lucky to actually get the opportunity to do that interview and this collaboration. So yeah, make sure you hang out for that one and subscribe or follow whatever you do on podcasts and Um, the second thing the second one was so last week i was referring to how some people will not have protein shakes and go out and have you know 20 20 or so drinks out on the weekend and both mac and i got a few messages and no one goes out and has 20 drinks on the weekend or you know 20 drinks friday night and 20 drinks saturday night type thing and i agree people probably don't have 20 drinks in total But 20 standard drinks, yes. So the whole argument was people will not consume protein shakes and then over consume calories through alcohol on the weekend. And I just sort of offhand said, you know, 20 drinks Friday, Saturday night. Now, if you think about it, yes, 20 drinks is a lot, but 20 standard drinks isn't that many. So most drinks out there are 1.5 to 2 standard drinks per bottle or glass. 
So that's only really 10 drinks, and mm. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people out there that go out and have 10 drinks every night. Well, hopefully the people that are listening to our podcast think that that's very far-fetched because they don't drink very much, mm. right? And um, I don't, I'm not saying that I don't want people to question me or anything like that. Like, it's awesome that so many people wrote in and said, no way people are drinking 20 drinks Friday and Saturday night. Um, first of all, awesome. Thank you, everybody, for actually listening and contributing. Like, like I said in the start of that podcast, I am open to conversation around anything I say, whether it's right or wrong. You, yeah, if you've got a different opinion, I do want to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> Are you with us today? I'm with us. I'm with us. All right. Well, Max got a massive stack of paper here, so I think we should start with that. It's three pages long, man. Okay, well, it's actually a listener question, but so let's just do things a little backwards because it, I have gone very in-depth with this listener question because I've never really thought to uh, speak about it on the podcast before because it is a little out of my field of expertise. Um, but I have had quite a few clients in the past have experience with this and then I got a listener question about it. So I was like, okay, let's do it. So the question was... Duromine, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly or not, but it is the name of a drug. And lots of doctors prescribe this for women who are overweight was the question, like elaborate, I suppose. Um, personally, I've never heard of this specific brand, but I did a lot of research on it. Um, and there are a few like same, same, but different medications. And if you are overweight or considered obese, you can go to the doctor and if you're having trouble losing weight, they will prescribe you with this drug. Now, everything that I could find about it was pretty much from the leaflet that you get in the box when you get the drug. So I had to do like a lot of digging to get any actual useful answers, I suppose. But essentially, um, it is yeah used to reduce body weight and it does that by suppressing your appetite. So it's it, like the leaflet says it should be used in addition with a weight management plan. So eating less calories and exercising. Mm -hmm. But from my experience with clients who have been to the doctor and they've given them this drug, they just give them the drug and send them on their way. I don't know if it's like a country town kind of thing or even just an Australian kind of thing, but it seems that that part of the equation gets forgotten a lot. Mm. Do, you, do you have anything to say yet? No. Okay, great. Um, and then, so it suppresses your appetite, but that's pretty much all it says on what it does. So I was like, well, I want to know what, why, how is it actually doing that in your brain? So what happens is it stimulates neurons to release neurotransmitters, dopamine and norepinephrine, which suppress your appetite. Those two neurotransmitters do. It also indirectly raises your leptin, which is your hormone that tells you you're full. So you feel full when you eat less, just across the board. And it reduces neuropeptide Y, which is a chemical messenger that initiates eating, decreases energy expenditure and increases fat storage. So it reduces all of that. So all of this is happening in your brain. So essentially when you start taking this, and it says that it happens within four hours of taking it. Wow. Yeah, your appetite is pretty much diminished. So that's the solution. You have an appetite, you eat less calories, right? But the clients that I've had in the past uh, had probably more side effects than any benefits from it. 
like so you're reducing your appetite and you're eating far less calories like a lot less and you have no energy a, a few clients that i've had had like so little energy they didn't even want to exercise like they recommend that you exercise alongside this drug but you're eating so little you like a lot of them struggle to want to get out of bed to exercise it just it blows my mind that it gets prescribed so frequently because obviously i guess weight loss is a weight in general is a problem at the minute and it's a rising problem so it's becoming more and more common but the other thing i noticed with past clients was they take it for a while they get lots of bad side effects and then they stop taking it and what happens when the drug stops doing all this stuff in your brain your appetite just comes back as much as it was before mm. And my other argument against this, like I'm not a doctor, so I wouldn't, this is not medical advice. This is just the general knowledge around this drug that I found on the leaflet. But my other argument against it is it's only suppressing like the chemicals in your brain while you're taking it. So then once you stop taking it, they come back. And I think a lot of the time, the bigger issue is actually your behaviors. So I'm sure we've all experienced eating food when you're not hungry for just for the sake of it. So even though it's suppressing your appetite doesn't necessarily mean you're going to stop eating food because it's just a behavior. <laughs> it's just it's a habit. It's a habit. It's very hard to break. Um, so the last thing about this that I wanted to touch on was just like the list. I was, got, I was writing notes from this leaflet and then I got to the list of side effects and I was like, I'm just going to print it out because it's so long. So the benefit of this drug is you suppress your appetite. Ultimately, you eat less and lose weight. Yeah. Theoretically, yeah. And you can only take it for a very short amount of time because it stops working after a while. So then you have to change to a different brand or a different Fuck. mixture. It's yeah, it's crazy. So the, this is the less serious side effects. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, feeling more awake than usual, heart rate is faster, blood pressure is higher, irregular heartbeat, feeling restless, feeling extreme happiness followed by depression and tiredness. <laughs> I had a client that experienced this yeah. daily yeah. and it was, we were trying to get her to exercise and eat well and just in the end she couldn't even get herself to go for a 20 minute walk because she had no energy and she was depressed because she was on a similar drug to this. Um, nervousness, shaking, headache, dizziness, fainting, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea or constipation, stomach cramps, dry mouth. Uh, you cannot exercise as much as you usually would. Difficulty going to the toilet, skin rashes, uh, changes in sex drive, swelling of the lower limbs, swelling of the face, sudden or rapid weight loss. Serious side effects, heart attack, stroke, chest pain, difficulty breathing. Um, I, I was shocked. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. So... Like, do the doctors even read that? Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it makes me feel a little bit sick. Mm. Like, because I've worked with two people firsthand who have taken this stuff and I know how much it negatively affects their life. Like obviously losing weight, especially if you've gone to the obese, 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 obese side of the spectrum, it is really, really hard because you've spent so long changing the chemicals in your brain to signal you to eat more. 
Yeah. And it's very hard. Like I'm not denying that you you don't not need help for it. But at the same time, I don't think that a drug like this is probably the best solution. And it's very sad to me that uh, like my friend that sent this question and said lots of women get this prescribed to them because they're considered overweight. Yeah. I don't know. It just it feels very wrong to me. Well, like I'm considered obese if you if we're going off weight and BMI and all that sort of stuff. And that's what it goes off, yeah. Yeah, so I, I would be actually morbidly, morbidly obese is what how you say it? Morbidly. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. So I'd be in that category now because I'm just over 100 kilos. Um, so, and like you said, somebody goes on this and they're going to have no energy. So they already feel like they've lost because they've had to go on a tablet to lose weight Mm -hmm. but then they're going to have no energy to exercise so they're going to feel like they're losing because they can't actually exercise and they know they should be so they're going to be down on themselves even more and we all know like when you feel like shit you haven't got energy you're not going to be cooking good food so even if you're working with somebody and they're saying try eating all these good foods and this sort of stuff you're not going to have the energy to do it so you feel like you're losing again so there's no wins in taking this. No. And the most recent client I had that ended up going on this, she went from eating like a surplus of calories to like having such a little appetite, she didn't want to eat anything. Mm. She was just drinking tea. And then if her family cooked dinner, she would have dinner with them, but she wouldn't eat much on her plate. So like what, what is happening to your body? You're, you're starving your body. Mm. You're going from eating way too many calories so much so that you're putting on weight regularly to eating nothing Mm. it's just it's so not sustainable it's not good for you it's just like the biggest loser at home but then like you said your body gets used to the drug yeah so even if you battle through the low energy still exercise and that sort of stuff over time that like you know whether it's a duration of a couple of weeks, that hunger is going to come back and mm-hmm. it's going to come back severe. Mm-hmm. So it's like almost a four weekly cycle where you eat too much, go on a different drug, come back down, right down, don't eat anything. And you're just going up and down. So, and again, four weeks isn't enough to lose any type of significant weight yeah. or body fat. So I did stumble across a patient. Uh, I think it was like, in quotation marks, survival uh, blog, like a woman that was severely overweight, went on this drug, lost 10 pounds. What is that in kilos? I don't know. Uh, Just goes double, 20. 20 kilos. Um, Pounds. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, lost a significant amount of weight and she got more job opportunities. She had more relationship opportunities. She felt better like in her body and all of this stuff. But then she said that the, once she lost the weight, the doctor was no longer giving her prescription for this. So she pretty much had to go cold turkey and she resorted to buying it illegally from Mexico. So she could keep taking it so she could stay in this shape because as soon as she stopped taking it, she started putting weight back on. And she's like, I cannot physically control myself unless I take this drug. So now she takes it for six months of the year on, six months of the year off. And she says, I'm probably going to have to do this for the rest of my life. Isn't that just horrendous? 
it's, and this is, we, we say this all the time, all the information out, there's more information now than ever on whatever you want to do, lose fat, lose weight, gain muscle, change your body composition, whatever, there's everything out there. But now more than ever, there's higher obesity levels than last year, than the year before that. So it's increasing every single year. So obviously information isn't the answer. Yeah. It's actually changing habits and working on yourself and taking the time and, the, and that right there, taking the time is what most people won't do. Yeah. Like, so taking the time to actually learn what is good for you, taking the time to understand the value of food. Once you start understanding, you know, how many calories are in things and you understand the value of it, you can start controlling it a bit more. And understanding and having good knowledge around food is probably the best place to start. Mm. Um what would you say to somebody is, I guess, contemplating this or what was the question originally? Um, it was just the name of the drug, Duromine. Yep. Lots of doctors prescribe it to women f- for weight loss. Yeah. So I guess what would you, I get, again, it's very hard because it's very individual, but what advice would you give to people that are sort of facing this or, well, I guess staying obese? Yeah. <laughs> It is very hard because everyone's situation is very different and it could be that you're the person that can't lose weight for a completely different reason to just eating too many calories. Like It could be a more medical reason, but general advice, I would say just seek someone like me. <laughs> like I know that's, that's very what tooting your own horn, but I don't know. It's hard. If you're overweight, it's very, very hard to do it on your own. And you shouldn't have to do it on your own. Like there's people like me who do this for a job for a reason because I know how hard it is. So I suppose if that's not in your budget, my next recommendation would just be becoming aware of what you're consuming. Like it is very, very powerful to know what is actually going into your body. Um, And you can do that just by simply writing down. I would say start by writing down everything you're eating and just step back and have a look at it because sometimes you get so caught up in like your day and your habits and you don't actually realize what's going on, what you're actually doing, what your behaviors are. So if you just start by writing down what you're actually consuming, you'll be like, whoa, I could just make a simple, a few simple changes and it will start to make a difference. And if you really want to go for it, then I would say just record everything you're eating in a calorie counting app so you can see what you're consuming calorie wise, macro wise, vitamin, mineral wise, like all of the information is right there. And then it just gives you, I don't know, it's a lot more easier to make changes that way. Yeah, Um, yeah, I I 100% agree with that. Pretty much every single client we get to either track or just write down or take photos of what they're eating, they very soon understand what we're trying to say. And it works both ways, whether they're under eating or overeating taking that time just to understand and just have a just becoming aware awareness yeah yep 100 percent. cool do you have a more lighter happier topic now (laughs) um i guess so yes and no um this is definitely should be looked at as a lighter helpful thing uh when i heard this it was a absolute slap in my face i heard it you know when you sort of listen to something and you just 
that one sentence and you just hear it and you're like, oh, shit. Like, mm-hmm. I've been thinking the opposite and it's just slapped me in the face. And I'm like, damn, I do this all the time. And I was upset with myself because ever since I read Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad book, uh, I've been very thoughtful and mindful of the language I use. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've spoke, we've done the whole podcast on this. I'm pretty sure you can go back and actually watch this one on YouTube. But we've done a whole episode just about language and the language you use defines yourself. It goes into your subconscious. It defines, like, it comes down to how successful you are, um, how you actually achieve your goals and all that sort of stuff. So your language plays a huge role in all of that. And I have been very mindful of the language I use, mm-hmm. um, even to the point where Mac gets shitty with me sometimes because I'm actually sitting there trying to think of the right words to use and she thinks I'm an ignoring her, but I'm not. I don't know. I just have a very short temper. Um, and shout out to Leanne from Marimbula who sent me this episode. Um, I'll try and link it in the show notes. It was a real estate podcast. Um, oh. I think it was called 31 minutes don't know why or minute 31 or something like that and he said people or uh, in the this is very out of context so i'm just referring to this one sentence but it's basically people always reply to how are you with i'm not bad and how bad that is because we're referring to that we're always bad but in this circumstance we're happy because we're not bad mm-hmm and I always say that <laughs> whenever when it's my go-to answer like I'm not bad and like it's like well why would you be bad like there's no reason why my life is bad should be bad and I shouldn't be referring to good times to just know, not bad just not bad like because I'm never bad like life is good I'm happy everything's going right all that sort of stuff and then when I say, oh, not bad, it's like, well, why would it's I like do? It's like you're degrading your own life a little every time you say that. Yeah. Um, and I just thought that was a good lesson. Again, I, I try to mind my language all the time and use the right language to, you know, force the person I want to be. Um, and I just, that one just sort of hit me. Like, I'm not bad. Like, it's so simple, but yet there's such a deeper meaning behind that mm. that yeah i just always think that you know things are bad but this in this certain circumstance when you ask me i'm not bad and where it should be the opposite i'm great i'm great but yeah it's funny when people say i'm great it's it's almost like you're you're taken off like whoa okay <laughs> what's going on in your life that's so great i don't i don't say i'm not bad but I say pretty good, mm. like consistently, just pretty good. Like I don't, and not bad just doesn't, I don't know. I think that's a, an Australian thing, like not bad or pretty good. Yeah. It's like, well, that. Like, you can be good, you know. <laughs> but most of the time we answer that without actually thinking about it. It's just yeah. an answer that comes to us. So why isn't it, I'm fucking great? Because we, like everyone around us when we're kids forever says not bad. You walk past, you're with your mum and you walk past someone in the supermarket and they go, oh, how you going? Pretty good. Not bad. You know, like, yeah. it's just ingrained in you that that's how you should be, not bad. Yeah. So every other time you're actually bad, but just in that circumstance, you weren't bad. 
Yeah. Yeah, you were just a little bit above that. Yeah. So it just sort of made me think about like, because I am loving life at the moment, all that sort of stuff, and I'm still using though that ling like I'm not bad. So it just made me think about oh shit, like I didn't even realise I was using that until somebody else said it. So what are you going to say now? Yeah, I'm great. I'm great. You know, we do have one friend who says I'm great all the time. Do we? Matt. Mm. Matt always says I'm great. He does. Always. Yeah. I just thought about that. And he's, he is great. And he is a good person to be around and work out with. Like he has a good energy yeah. all the time. And he always says I'm great or I'm good. Well, there you go. Mm. Um, just, and again, that was just an example for me. So I wanted to bring this up just for everybody listening. Like, What language are you using without realizing that's actually bringing you down and yeah. stopping you from achieving your goals? Like we've said this in the past, like what you say about yourself, like both how you look and physically and mentally will determine your goal. So if you're going for a weight loss or a fat loss goal and you still think and talk of yourself as a fat person, you're going to be, be it's going to be very hard to actually achieve those goals yeah. because you don't actually see yourself as that person you want to be once you've achieved those goals. Yeah. Interestingly, on this topic, I wasn't going, I had no intention of talking about this today, but I was reading a paper this morning about self-compassion, which just fits nicely in with this conversation. But there was a study done on a hundred mums and they were put in groups. I can't remember how it was divided. I only skimmed it this morning. But essentially what happened was one group of mums had very bad self-compassion. So they had very bad language about their bodies and selves and they felt badly about their bodies. And the other group of mums um, used good language and had a lot of self-compassion and were happy with their bodies and whatever. And the mums who had more self-compassion generally just had a better diet, generally had less weight to carry, generally had better healthy habits, exercised, and the mums that had very low self-compassion, um, didn't like, so let's say, didn't like love their bodies, used negative language, had horrible diets, ate lots of processed food, like didn't get enough sleep, were grumpy all the time, like low mood, low energy. And the thing that they were just monitoring that was the, the major difference was the amount of self-compassion they had for themselves, which comes down to how much language, how you use your language. Mm. Isn't um, that crazy? Well, continuing on from that, I know it's not on our list of things to talk about, but affirmations. Yeah. Do you think they're effective? I've sort of gone back and forth on these. Obviously, when you first start out on the self-development path and all that sort of stuff, every single book's like affirmations, write your stuff down, all that sort of stuff. Um, where do you stand on them? Well, when we did the last language podcast, I was all about affirmations i'm like yeah put them everywhere stick them up in your house and that's a good place to start but recently since we i've just been so slammed with work and uni and i haven't had time to like meditate and journal and affirm like i used to but i have started writing a sentence a day in my journal to try and get back into the habit of journaling again in the third person so rather than saying i am strong, I am healthy, I am whatever, which is an affirmation, I sort of write like, hey Mac, you had a super busy day today, but you're going in the right direction. And it is so weird to write in the third person. 
But I think, like just one sentence, I think it's made such a big difference compared to me saying, I am this, because I'm writing it, like me, I'm writing it, but it's almost like someone else is saying it to me. So you hold other people's opinions of you much higher, more highly than you hold your own. So me writing, hey Mac, like I know it feels tough or whatever, but things are going to be okay. Feels like someone's telling me that. And I'm like, oh, you're right. You know what? You are right. <laughs> so that's where I'm at at the minute with affirmations. What yeah, about you? I actually agree, but in a different way. Okay. So what I've been doing, because yeah, like you said, when you first start on this, it's like write it down everywhere, write your morning mantra. I am successful or, you know, I am a fit person. I am a muscly person, whatever, whatever it is, but it doesn't have any meaning behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm now when I want to, you know, I am a fit person and I say why I'm a fit person. Yeah. So I convince my like, it's not just I'm a fit person. I'm a fit person because of this, this, this. I am a successful person because of this, this, this. Mm-hmm. You know, when business wasn't going as good and, you know, things were looking glim- grim, I was like, well, I am a successful business person because I'm doing this and this and this. Like I was doing the things I needed to do to be successful. I just didn't have that success yet. Yeah. And sometimes you can't, like, until you write it down, you don't really see it, like with your food diary. And mm. yeah, until you actually list the things that you're doing to, that are going to make you that person, you just forget that you're doing them. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, again, just whenever you've got a goal you want to achieve, like whatever it is, think about what that person is. Like I am a successful business person because, add that because in. Don't just write I am successful, like, you know, um, what was one, money comes to me easily. Mm. And you just write that down. Yeah, money comes to me easily because... And then you've got to convince yourself. And if you haven't got a because, you've got to go out and do the work to get that because. Yeah. Otherwise, money is not going to come to you easily. Yeah. And like, um, I think it was the, the secret book where they're just like manifestation and that's enough. Um, I, I, again, I'm probably um, undersimplifying it. I read that a long time ago and I think I just skimmed it. But just manifesting and visualizing and saying, I am rich. It's just not going to happen. You've got to, I am rich because Mm. I'm doing these things to get that wealth or whatever it is. And yeah, it's like, I am a fit person because I work out three times a week. I eat healthy. I stay within my calorie deficit. If you've got all these becauses, the more becauses you got is the more successful you're going to be and the better you're going to achieve your goals. Yeah, it's like it's almost like it becomes a no-brainer to you for you to succeed. Like obviously I'm going to succeed because I do all this stuff. Like look at this huge list I just wrote of all these things I do that make me a successful person. So why mm. wouldn't I be a successful person? Yeah. And one thing I noticed when I did start doing that, like I had only one because. So like I'm going to be a successful business person because I post on social media. And you think about that, well, that's not really going to make me successful. And that's only because I've got. So then I had to go out and get a couple more Mm. and a couple more. So um, it's same with exercise. Like a lot of people will go, whoa, like I've started this challenge. I'm going to lose 20 kilos because I'm working out twice a week. And then you sort of think about, oh, twice a week, is that enough? Well, maybe I should start sleeping better. 
I, I, I'm gonna lose 20 kilos because I work out twice a week and I'm sleeping better. And then you just add on and add on. Like it does take time, but when you start at getting those becauses. You, by the time you've got a list, you already are that person. Cool, so where did we start with that? <laughs> I don't even know. The self-talk. Um, so yeah, me getting slapped in the face about the language I use. And again, we just spoke about all the things we've been working on and there was one thing that slipped through and I am thankful that Leanne sent through that podcast so I could listen to that because I would have never picked that up. Mm. So again, that's just another because I can add on to my list because I mind my language, I'm going to be more successful. Yeah. Are we connected on Instagram? If not, make sure you head over to our pages, both Mac and I, and give us a follow. We'll give you a follow back and you can enter into the discussion. A lot of these topics we talk about, Mac and I post about on Instagram and would love your input. We'd love your ideas, your theories and your opinions on these topics. So make sure you head into the show notes where you'll find our handles for Instagram. And if you haven't already, make sure you follow us and we'll continue the conversation there. Before we get into the listener questions, I just wanted to bring up something that I heard on another podcast this week that blew my mind. So many people write in to me also how many times you say blew my mind every single week on the podcast (laughs) because something always does. But this one was different. So uh, the podcast I was listening to was The Neuro Experience by Louisa someone anyway. And she had a doctor on there some sort of um, gut doctor. (laughs) Anyway, that's not really important. Speaking about just food and how it affects your gut microbiome and everything like that. And he was saying how he has had patients who have moved from Europe to the US and just all of a sudden experienced all these gut issues. And like pasta now makes them bloated and different meats make them bloated and they have all of these like gastrointestinal issues and they're like, my diet's the same. I've just moved countries. And it is because the food that's produced in the US is way different quality to the food that is in Europe or Australia. So he brought up a point about Mountain Dew was the only brand that I I knew. The other were very American brands. But Mountain Dew has two different production lines because Europe has different food regulations to what the US does. So they have a production line for US Mountain Dew because it's got different preservatives and different chemicals in it to the Europe production line. Isn't that insane? Mm. So like his, what he was trying to say is it's very hard to get good food in the US, food that isn't gonna mess up your gut bacteria. And like not even just processed food like Mountain Dew, like they literally have two completely product, separate production lines because of food guidelines. Like I can't believe that. And yeah, he was just saying how when people move to the US from other countries, it's very, very common because of the, how poor the quality of the food is in the US. And even not just processed food, but like he was saying eggs, meat, vegetables, everything is so heavily processed. It's hard to get grass-fed meat in the US. It's hard to get good eggs in the US. And he was even saying that now, uh, like health food stores and stuff, which are very whole foods, I'm pretty sure it's called in the US, 
are very popular, they've become like such a big commercial chain, it's not often that the whole foods are actually whole foods. Mm. They're still covered in chemicals. The, the meat like often isn't pasture-raised or whatever. They come, the vegetables come from the same place as the supermarket. Mm. What? <laughs> That's crazy. Um, and this is what shits me a little bit because you get all these docos on Netflix and all that sort of stuff, like diving into this a lot deeper, like eggs and meat and all that sort of stuff, how you know, badly they're raised and they're pumped full of chemicals like the chickens to lay more eggs faster and all that sort of stuff. And obviously those chemicals go into your eggs. Now, I know we have that in Australia, but it's not as bad. Mm. Yes, it's there's still, there's still certain eggs I wouldn't buy from the supermarket because I know they do the same thing, but it's not as bad as there, especially in the meat department. But yeah, there's still some very bad practices within meat in the supermarkets that I just can't believe they're allowed to do it in Australia, but they can, but it's still not as bad. But, you know, people watch these anti-meat docos from America and then not eat meat in Australia. And I'm like, you got, there's easy access to better meat in Australia. Just choose the better meat and it's completely fine. The animal has a good life when it's raised, it's fed well. You know, it's butchered properly, it's respected and all that sort of stuff. So you have more access in Australia to those sort of foods. So don't let those bad things, and it's, you know, it's a lot more abundant in America for that bad stuff to happen. But yeah, just a little side rant, sorry. Yeah, no, that's a, it's, a, it's a very good point because we probably have it the best, arguably, out of any country. Yeah, we like got like fruit, fruit, veg, and meat wise. We got friends that have just moved to the UK, and I think they got a bit of a shock when they got to the UK about the access to food, yeah. the limit. Like they just don't have the same access to food like we do here, and that's Europe. But then imagine, like, yes, America has a lot more access to food, but the quality is terrible. Yeah, just something to consider. Yeah. Anyway, listen to questions. So, the first question I have is, how to enjoy going to the gym when I hate my body? This is a good question. I think it fits in with this episode very well. Do mm. you want to start? Yeah. Um, I, it's, it's a hard question to sort of talk about, but why do you hate your body? Mm -hmm. I, that's where I'd start. Um, obviously, I've got a lot more training stuff and all that sort of stuff you can do, but why do you hate your body? Um, I was actually having a conversation about this the other day with somebody in the gym that clearly hated their body because she was telling me that she wanted to, by her 40th, have a bikini body and be able to pull off a bikini. I said, you can pull off a bikini, go wear a bikini. Oh, but you know what I mean? I'm like, no, I don't know what you mean. What are you talking about? Oh, but you got these other women. I'm like, who cares about them? They're them. You're you. Wear a bikini. Like, it doesn't matter. Like just yeah so i'll just dive into that question a little bit more um i guess i've spoken about this a fair bit gyms are a great tool to use for not just aesthetics but health and wellness like it is healthy to be working out two to three times a week mm -hmm. you do not need a gym for that um yeah it's very hard to get motivated and my hat goes off to those people that work out at home or go for a walk or work out outside on the, by themselves because it's very hard to get motivated to do that. Maybe try and dive a little bit deeper into that why you hate your body so you get that motivation to start walking or 
just doing some bodyweight exercises, get comfortable with your body and how it moves, mm. and then the gym won't be so scary. Yeah. Yeah, they're all very good points. I was going to say, um, I like to think about the, the things that my body does for me. So I... Like, I obviously go through phases as well where I don't like my body. I'm not going to say hate, but I don't, like, everyone goes through phases like that. Everybody. But everybody. But I think that in times like that, I think about the gym more like going to the gym allows me to be able to do yoga because I would not be able to do yoga if I didn't go to the gym because it hurts your joints. <laughs> it allows me to have more energy. It allows me to sleep better. It allows me to have a healthier brain. It allows me to focus more on uni and work. It allows me to talk to friends. It allows me to actually leave the house because it's probably the only reason I leave the house. It allows me to, I don't know, it allows me to do so much more than just look good. So when I'm struggling with how I look, I just, I try to not even consider that and just think about how it helps me do other things in life. Hmm. Um, just, I just touched on one thing before you had that go, um, just how get comfortable with moving your body, like get help to move your body properly. A lot of the time you hate your body because you just don't understand it and then you think it doesn't move right. I had a client the other day and I'm, she's a new client and I got her to do a squat and she's like, I can't squat. I don't squat because everybody's told me and my squats are wrong and mm. I just don't squat. And she's like, look, I squat it. And, and she looked at me like, it's terrible, isn't it? I'm like, hold on, it wasn't that bad. Let's just tweak a few things here and there. And then I changed a few things, got her to do a few different things and she squatted and she's like, oh my God, I've never squatted like that before. Like, everybody's different. Yeah. Like understanding your body and how it moves and like you could tell like she's a lot more confident in the squat you can take that over and you know every single if you learnt movements were confident in how you move and all that sort of stuff you wouldn't hate your body you'd know how it moves and you'd be more inclined to get into the gym and much more grateful for how it moved because it is insane like the stuff you can do in the gym with your body is insane hmm. also what's the question again how do i enjoy the gym when i hate my body um at the start, it might be a bit hard, but I genuinely enjoy being strong. Mm. So like when you go to the gym and like maybe you feel self-conscious and stuff like that, but if you do know how to move well, you'll be able to lift more weights and you'll be able to gain more muscle and be stronger. So that's just like a whole nother reason to love your body more because you're so strong. Yeah. And I don't know, I can't obviously can't speak for girls, but for guys, that is a huge thing in confidence. When you start working out and your body starts changing, and not the fact that it even changes the way it looks, but when you know you can press a decent weight above your head, you feel strong and you're like, fuck, yeah, <laughs> I can do that. And then it, and that confidence goes outside the gym. Yeah. So then you're more confident in your day-to-day life. Like when you meet somebody, like it's, this is just obviously going on a little tangent, but there's a lot of, you know, obviously evolutionary science behind this. Like if you know you're stronger than the male you're meeting, you're automatically more confident. Mm -hmm. So the only way to do that these days is in a gym. Like it's stupid, but that's how it is. Yeah. Um, and that's the way the human society is going. Just that's how it is. But yeah, so if I know that I'm stronger and I can lift heavier than this guy, yeah, it's stupid, but subconsciously, I have more confidence in him, so 
you know, you're more confident around other people, which leads into bigger and better things. So you don't feel depressed as much. It's like the peacock effect. Like the peacock has a tail for us. Well, actually in uni this week, I learned that it's the brain that is our peacock tail, but that's debatable, I think. Now with social media, I think it's more like- Bonnie. Aesthetics, yeah, mm. definitely. Do you have any questions this week? Um, no, just when you said that, I just, the thing we seen yesterday about um, ab implants. Oh my God, mom. Oh. And, and this is why you can't judge yourself off other people, especially on social media. Um, we were watching this guy d dive into ab implants, so you can literally get implants in your tummy that make, make it look like you got a 12 pack. Um, some were really bad, but some were pretty good. And there was one on a female lady, she must have been what, 30-ish? Yeah, it's hard to tell these days. Yeah. She's got ab implants, what other work does she have? Yeah, exactly. So, and they look quite good, but for somebody that like, Unfortunately for the general public that's seen that would go, oh, damn it, I want to do that. I'm going to do her ab workout and get abs like that. And it's not like you could, again, they're fake to start with, but um, you could, if your abs are showing, you've got veins running down your abs, but nowhere else on your body, then you know they're fake. Like yeah. the first thing I said to Mac, like you're going to have quad separation and you're going to see muscle definition in your legs before the abs. Like that, the core is the last place where fat disappears from your body. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just, I just thought of that when you said that. Last night, I also said to Jack when we were watching this, why? Mm. Why has she got ab implants? Like, I understand some, like, you might want to look good to feel good, be confident and all that jazz, but social media. If, I think that if it wasn't for social media, a lot of people wouldn't want to put as much work into being as lean or getting ab implants or boob implants or facelifts or whatever. Because you go back, I don't know, 15 years and the only people that really got any body modifications like that were celebrities because they were in the public eye. They were always mm. being seen. Yeah. Whereas now, all of us are always being seen. Everyone is on social media. and You do all that work to get seen now. Yes, exactly. So I think social media just drives a lot of the reasons people do stuff like that because mm. they want everyone to see their abs, mm. even if they're fake. Um, yeah, like I said at the start of the episode, I didn't have any questions. Um, I'll try and get onto the question boxes in my stories. So you guys can put your questions in there. We absolutely love the questions, but we also love you guys reaching out and letting us know your opinion on those questions as well. So please don't feel afraid or that you're I don't know, annoying us when you do that. We love that, so keep those coming. And we'll leave it there and talk to you all in the next episode. Thanks again and bye.